Hello and welcome to this month's CSF podcast, where, as always, we're going to bring you up to date with the latest information and data in rheumatology. What a nice thing it is that you've done by joining me. Really appreciate it. Well, today's podcast, I'm going to be reviewing two papers that retrospectively investigate the properties of JAK inhibitors, Janus kinase inhibitors. In the first paper, Peter Taylor and his colleagues are reviewing the pharmacologic differences between JAK inhibitors and then starting to think about how that may affect safety and efficacy. Actually, when you think about it, one of the major questions of our time for this whole class of drugs. And for our second papers, um, Kiji Gui and uh, colleagues uh, carried out a network meta-analysis of 14 randomized controlled trials to identify any associations between RA therapies and MACE or all-cause mortality, MACE, major adverse cardiovascular events. And as always, to access detailed summary slides of the papers discussed today, please go along to cytokinesignaling.com. Uh, I always say it, it's a treasure trove, amazing information there, abstracts, slide decks, papers, summaries of papers, and of course, podcasts from a whole lot of people who think a lot about this. So please do go along, cytokinesignaling.com. Okay, first paper, the differential properties of Janus kinase inhibitors in the treatment of immune-mediated inflammatory diseases. Um, key background here, well, I think we're all aware that the different JAK inhibitors um, have different chemical structures, different binding properties, for example, to, to circulating proteins. Um, they have different cell activities for different isoforms of Janus kinases. Remember, there's four, JAK1, JAK2, JAK3, and TIC2. And they may therefore have off-target effects um, on non-Janus kinase kinases. There are 518 kinases in the human genome, so off-target effects are probably an expected risk of this whole approach. And of course, there are differences in the kinds of adverse events that we might then expect. And this particular review compares the pharmacologic profiles of abrocitinib, baricitinib, filgotinib, pefcitinib, tofacitinib, and upadacitinib. So let's think first of all about the conclusions Peter and the team draw on JAK inhibitor selectivity. So as you know, uh, this class of drugs inhibits the membrane proximal Janus kinases that, it, that then feed into downstream STAT activation, then the STATs go into the nucleus and they free up and regulate gene transcription and therefore change the behavior of the target cell. And each JAK inhibitor has a distinct chemical structure which affects its binding affinity to JAKs and tyrosine kinases. JAK and TIC combinations affect different downstream processes in the signaling pathway. In other words, you can, you can assemble and you can kind of work it out for yourself. You can put different JAK family members together and they confer slightly different uh, immunologic effects. Now, in, in the review, they, they've tried to say different combinations have distinct roles. I, I think this is brave. Um, it's quite an interesting way of thinking about it, but it's, it's a necessary and probably plausible oversimplification, if I can put it that way. So JAK1, JAK2 are involved in inflammation. TIC2 and JAK1 are involved in innate immune responses. JAK1, JAK3 in lymphocyte proliferation and homeostasis. JAK2 and JAK1 innate antiviral defense. JAK2 and JAK2, erythropoiesis, myelopoiesis, and platelet production. You can see that there's, a, there's a, I think, a helpful, but nevertheless, probably important to remember uh, simplification in this analysis. In vitro assays of JAK inhibitors show that different JAK inhibitors have different inhibitory concentrations for JAK1, 
JAK2, JAK3, and TIC2. So, for example, baricitinib preferentially inhibits JAK1 and JAK2, and IC50 of 5.9 and 5.7 nanomolar, respectively. Pefacitinib is less specific, um, as all kinases investigated have an IC50 of greater than uh, 5 nanomolar. So I guess there, there is a need for more selective JAK inhibitors as they would be likely to have a more favorable safety profile, at least in theory. But there are challenges in developing more selective JAK inhibitors as the ATP binding site of the critical domain, the GH1 domain, has a lot of similarity. So if you think about it, the different JAKs are named as family members because they share these structural similarities and that poses problems for drug developers. Um, and the other thing to remember is that JAK isoform selectivity is dose and tissue dependent. Okay, let's move on to physiologic effects of JAK inhibitors. Well, they are associated with small transient effects in hematologic parameters, and differences in JAK inhibitor metabolism and elimination result in differing recommendations and dose modifications for patients with renal and hepatic impairments, so real clinical uh, readouts for us in terms of how metabolism may vary. Tofacitinib and upadacitinib doses are reduced for patients with severe renal impairment, but there's no adjustment needed for mild renal impairment. All the JAK inhibitors discussed in the review were either not recommended or contraindicated for patients with severe hepatic impairment. Mild and moderate cases needed no or only minimal adjustments. And, and finally, data from in vitro studies suggest that JAK inhibitors may differentially impact DNA damage repair via the JAK-STAT pathway. Well, pulling it all together, I, I think this review very nicely summarizes the unique chemical structures that in turn may lead to variance in binding modes and affinities for JAK isoforms, a nice summary of effects in hematologic parameters, DNA repair, and reproductive toxicity. And, and it's unclear at the moment which pathway blockade is most likely to translate into clinical efficacy. That's the critical point. We still need to really understand the underlying pathogenesis and the, the pivotal role that the different isoforms may play therein. And differences between JAK inhibitors may translate to distinct pharmacologic characteristics in patients, although at the moment it's very difficult for us to action that at a clinically meaningful level. And finally, distinct differences in metabolism and elimination profiles of JAK inhibitors lead to dose variations in the context of hepatic or renal impairment, and also differences in potential drug-drug interactions. Okay, it's a great review. Uh, it brings a lot of useful information together, and I commend it to you. What about the second paper? It's uh, cardiovascular safety of Janus kinase inhibitors in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. This is a systematic review and network meta-analysis. The background to this particular paper, well, the FDA has issued warnings about the association of JAK inhibitors with increased incidence of cardiovascular adverse events, thinking back to the oral surveillance study. And previous pairwise meta-analysis did not find a significant difference in cardiovascular outcomes between different JAK inhibitors, but um, the, the, the analyses have not yet been performed that include more recent studies. So this uh, was a network meta-analysis of 14 randomized control trials designed to compare cardiovascular risk between different JAK inhibitors used to treat rheumatoid arthritis. A frequentist approach with random effects models was used to compare the risk of MACE and all-cause mortality between JAK inhibitors, abatacet, and adalimumab. JAK inhibitors were administered as monotherapy or combination therapy. Participants were more than or equal to 18 years of age and diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And the endpoint was differences in MACE and or all-cause mortality, so both um, outcome measures between RA therapies. 
Uh, key results, well, the demographics were comparable between studies, a total of 13,524 patients were included. Average age, as you would expect, between 50 and just over 60 years of age. And again, as expected, female patients accounted for 60 to 87% of patient population included. And disease duration, 2.6 to 14.5 years. So real broad range there, again, reflecting the different study criteria, entry criteria, I should say, and follow-up period ranged from four to 52 weeks. Only one trial did not compare a treatment to placebo. And all trials investigated MACE with 12 studies also investigating all-cause mortality. The grade rating, which measures the quality of the comparators, ranged from moderate to very low. And with regards to, to moderate quality results, there were no significant difference in MACE or all-cause mortality when comparing treatment groups and nor specific drugs, but there were some results that the, the, the authors called out. The first was the biggest difference between treatment categories was observed for all-cause mortality between JAK inhibitors and adalimumab, where risk was higher for the JAK inhibitors with an odds ratio of 2.05 and a 95% confidence interval of 1.02 to 2.81, so it doesn't cross one. And the biggest difference in all-cause mortality for an individual, an individual JAK inhibitor was seen with tofacitinib versus adalimumab, where the risk was higher for TOFA at an odds ratio of 1.9. Again, confidence interval here, 1.12 to 3.23. Okay, well, the author's conclusions here is that JAK inhibitor treatment did not significantly increase the risk of MACE in RA patients. Um, TOFA may have a higher risk of all-cause mortality versus adalimumab. And I think uh, the, the, the paper just adds to a growing literature. We as rheumatologists need to consider cardiovascular risk when prescribing JAK inhibitors. And there are guidelines and recommendations that will affect your geographical area um, that, that I think we should be attendant to and think very carefully about when we are using these medicines. Um, note that the grade ratings for the network meta-analysis were moderate at best. Um, and finally, the abatacept and desinotinib comparisons were either low or, or very low quality, so I'm not sure we can draw any meaningful conclusions at all. The other thing to say is that future meta-analysis will need to include filgotinib when randomized controlled trial data are available. Well, uh, if you're interested in these publications uploaded this month, head across to cytokinesignaling.com. You'll find podcasts, resources, slides that uh, I, I think we, we find really useful. I certainly do, and I, I hope you would too. And of course, as always, thanks for your attention. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or frankly, anywhere you get your podcast media from. And make sure to let us know what you think by leaving a review. Um, the reason we do this is to support you in your, in your uh, continuing medical education. And of course, primarily to optimize the way in which we look after people with immune-mediated inflammatory diseases. So thanks for your attention. Stay well and looking forward to the next one. Bye for now.